6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 135 through 144. Let's assume every one of you in this room had the skill to play any musical instrument. You could play many of them, and there's plenty of them around. And let's assume I gave each one of you a complete copy of the symphony. Would we have a symphony? No, because there's an issue in computer design called conflict resolution logic. Somewhere, somebody has to decide, you're going to be first violin, you're going to be percussion, you're going to be string, you know, whatever. Not only make the assignments and allow you to specialize, but also to bring it together into a harmonious whole. That requires external information. Just giving a complete description of the symphony to each cell doesn't give you a symphony. From an information science point of view, it requires external input to make it happen. Follow me? That implies that God is involved in some way in every cell division. Staggering. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, that in thy book all my members were written, which were in continuance, were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, there are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Two key facts. God loves us, and he's all-powerful. What a combination of thoughts that God is all-powerful. There's nothing he can't do. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. God loves us. And the God who loves us is all-powerful. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. He's talking to God. They speak against thee, God, wickedly. And thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. The word perfect there is also complete. Not perfect because it's not free of imperfections. It's, we use the term perfect a little differently. Here it just means complete. Complete hatred. I count them mine enemies. See, both the wicked and the godly are mentioned in the Psalms. And these few verses are why this Psalm happens to be categorized as an imprecatory Psalm. It's a strange label for a Psalm that really is aimed so highly. The precatory psalms, remember they were the enemies, the enemies is talking about were rebels against God, not just against David personally or something. And the precatory psalms are, uh, the, the covenant people were protected under conditions of obedience. If they were obedient, they were protected by God and they were entitled to the precatory psalms. 
And that's listed in a number of places. And the battle of good and evil has been going on since Genesis 3. There's nothing new here. And that's part of what this is all about. Satan is not through. And we can't remain neutral in this battle. And Psalm 139, 140 are imprecatory psalms that are on the table in front of us, this one and the one following. Psalm 139 continues, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That should be our prayer. It takes confidence to pray that prayer. You need to know God loves you in order to pray that prayer. Okay, God, search me. He will judge the wicked. And pray, pray that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and it's everywhere. Okay, Psalm 140 is going to focus, is going to pick up this theme and focus specifically on evil leadership. And uh, David, it would seem, in writing this, was surrounded by evil men, people that were slandering him. King Saul had ordered his officers to, get, to kill David. He is a fugitive. And uh, evil men were plotting against him continually. This psalm also, though, is a prophecy of the last days when a godly remnant of Israel will face the Antichrist, the false Messiah, that man of sin. And the psalm also has an application. There's sort of three levels here. David's a historical one, a eschatological or prophetic one, and then an application for you and I. Each one of us can pray this prayer as we go through, look through Psalm 140. To the chief musician of Psalm of David, deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man which imagine mischiefs in their heart continually are they gathered together for war. These are uh, John in his uh, the apostle John in his, first, in his first epistle points out that there are now many antichrists. As you heard antichrist shall come there are many antichrists. Remember that in, in the second chapter of, of 1 John. They gathered together for war. They have sh sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. And then we have Selah, that word that says, think about that. Stop, a thought connector. Romans, Paul in Romans picks up that term in Romans chapter 3. As it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Just a quote from that psalm. Same flavor, same, same issue. The danger of wicked leadership. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Boy, does that characterize our culture today. There are more murders in Washington for political reasons than we dare list over the last decade or so, over a hundred. Swift to shed blood. There's no fear of God before their eyes. There have been people misinformed. There have been people who slipped here and there but intended well. No, this is not that anymore. There is no fear of God at all here. Moving on to Psalm 140, verse 4. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purposed to overthrow my goings. The proud have hit a snare for me. The cords, they have spread a net by the wayside. 
They have set gins for me. Selah, again. And uh, David's prayer, it's pretty easy to visualize David in this situation because he was a fugitive for probably a decade from Psalm, from uh, uh, Saul and uh, wrote many psalms that echo that, of course. And they spread a net. The word gins is really a, a, uh, um, a, a senior moment, a uh, hoop, a hoop for capturing a small animal. And thus it becomes a trap or a snare. And, uh, but... Uh, uh, Dear beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. This is again out of Romans. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So we've got four lessons here in this psalm. The first five verses that we've gone through, what sinners do to God's people. The next one is what God's people should do to sinners. And we've got a taste of that here in verses 6 through 8. And uh, I said unto the Lord, Thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God the Lord, the strength of my salvation. Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves. Again, Selah. Uh, uh, that pause. Boy, think of that. The third lesson is what does sin do to sinners? We've seen what sinners do to God's people, what God's people should do to sinners. Now what does sin do to sinners? That's the next couple of verses here. As for the head of those that compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire into deep pits that they rise up not again. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. And then the final thing is, okay, what does God do for his people? I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Okay, a couple more and we'll wrap it up here. Psalm 141. This is again a, a, a close cousin. This is deliverance from evil. Again from David. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as an incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. Interesting way of putting it. He's saying, don't let my lips and my life contradict each other. That's basically what he's saying. I incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. And let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. What he's really saying here is avoid compromise. We be working in the world, but we should not be of the world. Or as one writer put it, the boat should be in the ocean, but it's tragic when the ocean gets in the boat. Okay, it's <laughs> along the same idea. And, and as far as uh, uh, this issue is concerned, it's not how do we get out of this, but rather how do, what do we get out of this? When we're in trouble, it's not the question of just getting out of the trouble. The other thing is what do we get out of the trouble? Why, what, why did God bring that? What are the lessons? Our prayer should be let the lessons not be wasted. When their judges are overthrown in stony places, they shall hear my words, for they are sweet. My, our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, and one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But mine eyes are unto thee, O God the Lord. 
In thee is my trust, leave not my soul destitute. And don't take, off, don't take your eyes off the Lord. Remember Peter when he's walking on water there in uh, uh, Matthew 14. He was doing fine until he took his eyes off the Lord and he started to sink. And that, that little object lesson I think is true of our lives as we face uh, crises of different kinds, whether it's people plotting against us or whether it's just some form of impatience. Let's not take our eyes off the Lord. Don't compromise. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me for the jinns of the workers of make Jinns, again, is a, a, a mokesh. It's a term meaning a, a, like a noose for catching small animals or a hook for the nose. It means to be ensnared the way it's being used here. Let the wicked fall into their own nets whilst that I withal escape. Oh, here we go. I thought I, knew, I, thought I had a footnote here. Good. Yeah, there's mokesh. Um, a noose for catching animals, a hook and so forth. Okay. Okay, the cave song. This is one written in the cave. In fact, it says so. It's Mashil, which means it's an instructionary thing. In fact, it's a model prayer. The, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Well, this is this equivalent kind of response where David's teaching us to pray, in effect. A prayer, or he was in a cave, but it's really an instructionary song. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed him before uh, him my trouble. There's a piece that was written in the 17th century I had to throw in here about telling God. I thought that since we're talking about prayer here, focusing on prayer, this is, I think, useful. Tell God all that is in your heart as one unloads one's hearts, its pleasures, and its pains as if to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may, he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you to conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to, to good, your depraved tastes for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself as to others. If you thus pour out all your weaknesses, needs, and troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. <laughs> you will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. <laughs> People who have no secrets from each other never want subjects of conversation. They do not weigh their words, for there is nothing to be held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of the heart, without consideration, just what they think. What great advice. You know, we tend to be so formal with prayer, so guarded. How silly. God knows it all. What joy there is is being open and candid with Him. Tell me what you really think. Blessed are they who attain to such familiar and unreserved intercourse with God. This is one writer known as Fenelon in, in, uh, in the end of the 17th century, early part of the 18th. Uh, yeah, 18th. French writer. He, uh, his writings became the basis of profound changes, both politically and culturally in France. Anyway. Continuing Psalm 142. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knowest my path in the way wherein I walked have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked in my right hand and beheld that there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. 
I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The, the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. And this was, of course, this is where David, we don't know whether he was writing this in Engedi, the cave there, or the cave of Adullam. He was several times in a cave. He couldn't be written either one. But um, when he first left the court of Saul, he really felt alone. And he, and he wrote this, this and some similar prayers. And uh, 400 men ended up joining him. And he knew that God was responsible for that show of support. And all those lessons of those fugitive years serve him in the subsequent uh, 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 later life as he reigned in Hebron and then in Jerusalem later. Okay, a couple more and we're through. Psalm 103, an urgent appeal. Psalm of David again. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Indeed. That, remember the Christian's bar of soap. When you hear these kinds of things, you want to remember 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, we are, he, is faith, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise indeed. Praise his name indeed. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Thy righteousness' sake. Somebody asked a person one time, if you could lose the salvation, he says, if I can lose my salvation, God loses more than I do. Really? Because all I can lose is my salvation. He loses his good word, his righteousness. My salvation depends on his righteousness because of John 10. Jesus gave him the responsibility in, in, in John 17 in the prayer. Anyway, quicken me, Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. And Israel today, this fits, Micah 7.20, Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob, the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto the fathers from the days of old. The same prayer that we're praying individually, Israel can pray corporately to God. And that, that's what Micah 7 is talking about. Exodus 2. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. So they can claim a, a specific commitment. And so these psalms have special meaning there. And the Gentiles, for they, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And I hope that's not us. So these, there are penitential psalms. And some of them are categorized by the church. There's seven of them against the wrath 
uh, I've got Psalm 8, against pride, Psalm 32, against gluttony, Psalm 38, against impurity, Psalm 51, against covetousness, Psalm 102, against envy in Psalm 130, and against carelessness in Psalm 143. So here we have seven Psalms. The early church called these special Psalms and uh, set them aside for use on Ash Wednesday and other certain places. So these Psalms can be viewed as focusing on those specific uh, sins, if you will. Okay, Psalm, well, this is the last then for tonight. Psalm 144, our ultimate defense. Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Now that surprises Christians. I thought we weren't supposed to fight. No, Jesus said, when a strong man, uh, when a strong man armed keepeth his house or his palace, his goods are in peace. That's in Luke 11. We have an obligation to protect our loved ones. There's a mad dog coming down the street and your children are playing out in front. You're going to do something about it. And if necessary, you'll shoot the dog. Whatever. Now, there are legitimate causes for war. The day will come that a man will sell his coat to get a sword, Jesus told him in Gethsemane. So my goodness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. Wow, there's a list. My goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. And he in whom I trust who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? Or the son of man that thou shouldest make account of him? Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Now, verse 4, you'll find on sundials all over the world. It's a very popular thing to put on a sundial. That uh, our days are like a shadow that passeth away indeed. And of course, the whole broader thought here is that life is purposeless without God. You know, we teach the kids that we're, they're a subject of a cosmic accident, and then we wonder why they have no sense of destiny or no sense of heritage. Duh. All right. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. This is a call for God to intrude in human history. And, and Isaiah says much the same thing in chapter 64. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, and as, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causes the waters to boil, and make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. And boy, they will. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for them that waiteth for him. Well, getting back to that was Isaiah. Getting back to Psalm 144, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon the psaltery and on an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. I'm really fascinated. I always find ten strings. And I'm intrigued that this, the, the particle physicists now dis, have decided that we live in ten dimensions, that uh, they're in ten dimensions we have, you know, one-dimensional strings vibrating or whatever. Uh, anyway, um, there may be something more here, maybe not. 
It is he that giveth salvation unto kings who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. That our garners may be full, affording all manner of store. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. That our oxen may be strong to labor, that there may be no breaking in or going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. <laughs> happy is that people that is such the case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Okay. We are now ready for the final. From Psalm, there's six left. Psalm 105 to 150, they are the, the Hallelujah Psalms. And in addition to reviewing those for next time, I also encourage you to review all your notes on the entire series. And I'll try to go through and highlight the main things that we want to glean from this, in an expositional sense at least. Um, but again, I want to emphasize this is not the kind of thing where you learn facts, like history or narratives. This is one that you need to immerse in and seek devotionally. It's a, it should be a gateway to God's presence. And you'll only achieve that in your private time with seriousness of purpose. Let's stand for a closing word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the joy and treasure of your psalms, these hymns that you've provided us. We do recognize that they're written for our learning, that we might grow in grace and knowledge of you. And our Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this time together. We thank you, Father, for the opportunities you put before us. We pray you'd help us to be ever more effective stewards of the opportunities before us. And those opportunities include our free time to spend time in privacy with you devotionally. As we do commit ourselves into your hands in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Music